Welcome to this episode of Forgiving the Girl Inside, A Matter of the Heart. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, and welcome to this series. This is May of 2022, and we're doing a series called Sharing the Secret, where courageous women post-abortion, miscarriage, or loss of a child are sharing their beautiful healing journeys so that others can be on their healing journey as well. For over three decades, I refused to share, to tell what I had experienced and gone through because the choice was so horrific, I buried it and it created chaos in my life and I thought I was all alone. Even though I had people, friends that did the same thing that I had done, we made a pact never to tell, never to grieve, never to heal from that and it really affected and impacted all major things in in my life, wealth, health, and relationships. So by the purpose of this series of sharing the secret is to allow the woman, these courageous women to share with you their own personal healing stories, how they grieved so that you can receive that information and know that you're not alone. You have a safe, non-judgmental place to connect with other women like-minded who can walk you through that experience. So if you're listening to this episode in the future um, and it resonates with you, reach out to either myself or our beautiful guest, Elise, who is going to share her healing, her grieving journey. Um, she is a certified life coach, writer, and speaker. She's got a pleasant surprise for you at, at the end that she's going to share with you about something really cool that she just did. She's the creator of the Mom Vision Podcast, and she's helping moms savor not just survive motherhood with clarity, confidence, and calm, but she has a hands-on practice and uses tools. One of her favorite things is a vision board. So she helps moms, moms know, love, and accept themselves where they're at, where they are. And I know when I my younger self, when I was a mom, I, my youngest was 14 years old. He's now 24. I didn't take me time. I mm-hmm. thought me time was selfish. Yeah. So I kept putting myself on the back burner. And Elise shares her in her business, her practice. She shares, no, it is not selfish time, right? So thank you so much for being here today, for sharing your story. Um, You're welcome. I'm glad us. to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. Tell us what um, your background is so beautiful. It's so calming. Yeah. Um, I love the flowers back there and all of that. Yeah. So beautiful, the birds. Um, but tell you. us about your journey before the, the chaos, the confusion that you were experiencing. What was that like? The journey before? Yeah. Um, so are you talking about when I actually lost? Yeah. Babies. Before you okay. became pregnant, yeah. Oh, before I became pregnant. Okay. So before I became, I, I got, I met my husband pretty young. I was 21 right out of college. And, um, my mother actually had a border in her house and called me and said, if I got a border for you, and it was my husband. So, um, she just had a big old house. The kids had all left and she had some rooms and we had a local uh, university. And that's how my, I got connected with my husband. So, Met him kind of early on. Um, he also had a child. 
um, which was an interesting complication for a young me, but it was also something that I admired because I really, what I wanted to be my whole life was a mother. I, I did some interesting things. In addition to that, certainly I studied psychology. Um, I worked for McCall's Working Mother magazine. I worked for HBO, um, as a copywriter for years. And that is, I, I got married when I was 26 and to that border. And, um, you know, a couple, two, two years, maybe of the, just the two of us, well, not really just the two of us ever. I had a stepdaughter all along, but meaning for the most part, she wasn't living with us at the time. And, um, you know, kind of footloose and fancy free. And then, um, we got pregnant. I was 30. Oh no, I was actually 29 and, um, really excited. And I was all about, I had actually, um, followed in my sister's footsteps to, I was all about a natural childbirth, midwives, all that stuff. In fact, I became a childbirth educator at one point and loved that. Um, I've done a lot of different things, Lisa. I even owned a gourmet <laughs> shop in there in Hoboken, New Jersey. But anyway. Um, and it all so, ties together somehow. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I haven't figured out how, but it's been a good life and an interesting life. So anyway, my husband and I were kind of chugging along. We got pregnant. So excited. Um, and, you know, I we weren't going, I guess we had that AFP test. I don't even remember the names. This is 34 years ago, um, almost 35 years ago. So um, there was something that showed up in that. And we weren't going to have a sonogram with this natural birth. But we did have a sonogram. And oh, lo and behold, we had twins. Not one, but two babies in there. And we did not know what they were. We were, we, we never knew what children we would have. <laughs> that was not something I wanted to know. I wanted that to be a surprise. So um, again, it was like unbelievable. So exciting. I could not have imagined anything more wonderful. I know that sometimes people get that news and they're like, what? We were just like, yes. I, I felt like I needed to wear a sign because I was so excited. Yeah, I'm having twins. I'm having twins. <laughs> and of course, even, even then at, at three months-ish, you know, you're not really showing, but, um, I, I literally was running around telling everybody and, um, and everything went along well. Um, I was seeing a doctor and midwife because of twins and, um, still working in New York city at HBO, loving my job and taking, you know, the latest exercise, pregnancy exercise classes, doing the whole thing. Um, and I went to a class and I went to the bathroom and I started spotting and I kind of was like, it's probably nothing, you know? I mean, things like this happen and I'm carrying twins and I hadn't done vigorous exercise, but I, I had done exercise. Maybe it was just a little something like that. And I called, uh, the midwife and, um, my midwife was wonderful, but also very expressive. And she didn't say anything to me, but my sister happened to be pregnant at the same time. And she was at the midwife center and saw a, a yellow folder with my name on it. And she's like, what's going on? And they said, your sister's coming in. They were, they were like, okay, great. Get in here immediately. And you know, no cell phones. I don't even remember how I reached my husband, but I know that I hightailed it out of New York city and said, please, Chris, hurry and meet me at home. And, um, you know, again, I wasn't really that concerned. I was kind of like, it's probably going to be fine. And then we got to the, the midwife center. And I remember she did an internal and, you know, like ran out of the room and I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. So the doctor was there that day and he came in and 
they determined that my amniotic sac was starting to slip out of my cervix. So very dangerous because there's so much bacteria that it can break the amniotic sac pretty quickly. So I was brought to the emergency room, settled in at the hospital, and they put me in a Trendelenburg position, head down, feet up, just to use gravity and some magnesium sulfate to stop. I was having contractions. I did not know it. I didn't feel any contractions. And basically ended up, um, you know, being transferred to labor and delivery. That was not great because people were in labor, ready to have their babies. And I was just kind of lying there waiting to see what was going to happen. So the doctor was like, what we're trying to do is get the sack to go back in and go from there. Um, but if that happens, you know, there's a chance. If that does not happen, the chances are your waters are going to break. So if anything in the middle of the night happens, just, you know, call the nurse. If you start to feel like you liquid. And of course that's what happened at two, two in the morning. Um, I remember just being like, Oh no, I know, I know what just happened. And my waters had broken. So I just felt this little gush. And, um, you know, I remember like calling the nurse, going to the phone, trying to call somebody. And I remember calling my mother, um, instead of my husband, which I didn't mean to do, but it was kind of, you know, one of those weird sort of organic things that you do. And, um, and I just, I just, I knew that it was very unlikely that anything good was going to come out of this, so that I was going to lose these babies. And my doctor came in and, you know, that's basically what he said. He said, it's, it's really just a matter of time. We can wait till you go into labor. You can go home. I'm like, I'm, I'm not going home. Um, we can, you know, do a procedure. And I said, I want to, I want to go into labor. I want to, I want to kind of complete the process of what was started. And my midwife met me there and, um, sat there with, with my, my husband and I, as we delivered, I delivered the first baby. It was a girl. And, um, then my placenta started to shred. So I was bleeding. So I had to be transferred into an operating room and, you know, they put me out very temporarily. And then, um, that was it. I lost two baby girls. They were almost five months, almost 20 weeks. Um, and I make that distinction because we did not have a service and we did not bury them because they were under 20 weeks. If I had that to do over again, Lisa, I would, I would have done that differently, but it was kind of new in dealing with loss. You know, people kind of buried this information, which I found out as I went through the loss. Um, so basically, I remember there was a nurse who said to me, do you want to see them? And I said, no, because it just was also shocking. So devastating, so shocking. I didn't even know what was happening. And I said, no. And she said, you know, the um, nightmare is worse than the reality. And I really think you should see them. Wow. And I, I'm so thankful to her, you know, to this day, I'm like, I don't know who she is, but I am thankful because she brought me these babies, two little babies in their little blankets, just like, you know, any other time with the little hats on and everything. And of course they had passed. They were not old enough to survive outside the womb. So, um, yeah. So, you know, went home as they say, empty wombed, which is a terrible, terrible thing. Um, and just kind of my, my milk came in within a couple of days, which was, uh, 
nobody knew if that would happen or not. Was it too right. soon or not? But it did. And that was also awful. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's kind of what happened. Wow. Um, that was the loss and it was, it was really devastating. Yeah. So you left them at the hospital mm-hmm. and then yeah. they had their own private ceremony or yeah, whatever. I don't even know. It's, it was wow. like, it, it's, it's, as I say, it's so weird. It would never happen today, which makes, which I'm very happy about. The nurse also asked me, did I want a picture? And I said, no. And I wish I had said yes. Like yeah. for anybody who goes through a loss, I would say, you know, I hope you don't, but if you do, do those things that mark it as a life. Yeah. Um, because I have, I just, you know, I don't think about it a lot. Um, I actually think there is a sonogram picture somewhere. I don't even know where it is after we've, we've moved not too long ago. Um, but I'd like a picture of them and I would, I would, I, I kind of, a friend of mine is doing a, um, she has a home for women who lose babies and I never thought I'd want to do this because again, it's 30, it's almost 35 years later, but I think I'm going to do it. Um, I still want a sense of closure that I don't have. And, um, I tried to get into one of her programs this spring, but they're, they're full. So I'm on the waiting list because it's a lot, it's a lot to process. And again, what's that with the program that you're trying to get into? Uh, you know, I don't know the name of it, but I, I can give you that information. So you might want to include it in notes or something. Um, but it's an amazing, I know this woman, I don't know if you know MOPS groups, mothers of preschoolers. I'm a mom mentor there and I speak and this gal, um, Addie is her name. I know her first name, uh, had a, a loss of a baby and started this home where she runs retreats for mm-hmm. women who women, and even she does a couple weekends too. So again, I will give you some of that information, but it is an amazing ministry. And, um, yeah, I feel like, you know what? It's never too late. So, um, no, it's not. no not this side of heaven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and grieving, exactly. grieving that loss. I mean, um, there's been several ladies here who have had miscarriages and I know one recently within the last year and they had, um, they didn't name the baby per se, um, yeah, yeah. but they did, they did, um, cremate the baby and they have the baby in a, in a frog in ashes, ashes mm-hmm. in a frog. Mm-hmm. but it's so powerful to name your children and have a memorial service for them. Yeah. You know, um, you know, they actually, some will actually have a whole entire service, mm-hmm. um, you know, depending on whatever, you know, the family, the, the couple decides or what have you. Yeah. We know never, I mean, like you said, 34 years ago, 35 years ago, Things have changed so much in this so much that we have and seeing the babies 3D in their stomachs and just understanding and realizing like, yeah, those little souls weren't meant to be outside the womb. They weren't meant, but just to still celebrate that time. And we don't really think of life in the womb, you know, and I know there's some cultures who actually count like when your their baby is born, I believe mm-hmm. it's in. Well, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But their baby, when they're born, is actually a year old because they have uh, um, yeah. yeah. as the growth, which makes sense, especially, you know, if you think that that's a life. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm starting to get my graduate theology degree and oh. talk about, I took this class called systematic theology, which is mind blowing. 
um, a lot of the classes I'm taking now are mind blowing, but this one in particular, because you ask questions that you normally wouldn't ask, like in a mm. church setting, like, you know, we, we talk about the spiritual world, we talk about souls and it, a, so when does the soul enter a human? Is it at conception or is it at the first breath? Mm. Because God breathes life into us. When does he breathe that life into us? Knew, knew us before we were created in our mother's womb is the yeah. word. So yeah. 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 And you think about and when you think about it from that perspective, you know, and then God has us go through this experience of this loss. And like in his moms, we don't like to lose anything, right? We no. on so tightly and us having the privilege of bearing children, of having that life, we create life. Yeah. Like God partners with us to create life. Yeah, it's an amazing, wow. amazing thing. And it, it is an amazing thing. But then when that life is taken, we're mm-hmm. like, no, we don't want to talk about it. Like, let's not, no, let's not go there. Oh, you know, and some yeah. of the things that are said because of it. And like, no, I, I, I'll tell you my little beliefs. So like prior to age 17, I found myself with three unplanned pregnancies mm. and two of them ended in abortion. And at 16 years old, I was told that it was just like a blob of tissue. It was right. tumor. And, you know, you're talking in the early 80s, 85. Yeah. And I was like, you know, okay. And I was told like, you know, you're getting an abortion and this is what's going to happen. And, you know, this is it. Mm-hmm. And there was a part of me that knew it was wrong because I've always been religious. I mean, I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior in 1979, mm-hmm. but I had a religion, not a relationship. Yeah. Here I was doing all these things. And then I was like, okay, so I did it. And then it, it just, it just did it created this chaos and it was so hurt. I was self-sabotaging and people pleasing to try to make up for what I did. And because I chose to bury it, I swear I would never tell it affected my life for over three decades. And when I went through the healing process in 2012, um, in 2018, I realized making those decisions at 16, I needed to start healing from it and grieving it. And that's when I started to see a shift that I actually went through a memorial service and I, mm. I was invited to do so. And it's a thing called Rachel's garden. Oh and yeah. I, I know of that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I didn't go through that process per se because I was too, I, no, I'm not going there. I'm not letting people know, but I'll do it by myself. I'll do it. And I found out about it and I'm like, I don't know what the babies are. How am I supposed to know? Mm. I didn't know. So I started having dreams mm. of a baby girl and a baby boy. And yeah. my mom was really sick. And at this time, like the first person I told was my husband in 2016. Wow. Unbeknownst to me, he knew. And my mom had known, but I didn't know that they knew. So we got all that out. Yeah. I have three beautiful children. So my oldest, my um, he's going to be 36, May 11th. He was mm-hmm. born on Mother's Day, which is really cool. Aww. Um, so I told all of them, I wrote my book, I shared my story, and now I have Divine Timing Ministries, which helps women um, post-abortion to come in a safe, non-judgment zone to heal from that loss and to know that they're not alone, yeah. which is a beautiful um, modality. And a lot of times women are afraid to share that because they think they're okay. No, I don't need to go. I don't even know what it is. Yeah. No, I buried it. But you didn't really bury it. You're just ignoring it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to have that closure, like you said, and one of my friends is a psychologist and she's like, Oh, you could help women miscarriage and loss of a child as well. And I'm like, no, that's not the same. I chose to do what I did. They did not choose that. Mm-hmm. And I actually interviewed two women on the series that said that they felt like they killed their baby. And I was like, what? Aww. 
And those words were so powerful because I never knew that there were so many similarities when you're grieving that loss and the thoughts that you put into your head. Oh, sure. I mean, you wonder what could I have done differently? Should I have taken that exercise class? Maybe that was the problem. Um, Knowing that I had twins, should I have just started to live differently? You know, just off off the grid, not 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 commuting, not doing all the things that I was doing. There's definitely guilt and remorse, and what what could I have done? Um, I don't feel that way anymore um, because I I have worked it through. I mean, while it wasn't a public, well, it was a public issue. What what it wasn't was. There were very few people doing grief work, mm-hmm. offering it or receiving it. Now we did go to a class, a, a sort of a you know group at the hospital, and I I don't know you know I don't I feel like we maybe went a couple of times, but one of the things that really helped me through my grief was I because I was five months pregnant and because it was twins, everybody knew, mm-hmm. everybody in my office all my friends, it was just very, even without, you know, all the internet stuff, it was very public information. And I got so many letters and so many meals and so many, um, you know, flowers, you name it. And, and the things that touched me the most were the moms of my friends who shared that they had had a miscarriage and never shared it because there was like some kind of, they just didn't talk about it. And um, I think, you know, when I think about what you're talking about, whether it's through abortion or you miscarry at three months or whatever, because that's silent, you don't get, you don't get the support. You don't get the ability, the, the, the channels to help you grief and yeah, grief. It's just, it's very, very different. Um, I think even again, having a later pregnancy loss because it was that much more obvious, you know? So it's interesting. I mean, again, I feel very thankful that people did come around us. Um, I will say I went back to work. That was difficult because I remember like on the first day, somebody said, Oh my gosh, you had the babies. And I was like, yeah. I lost the babies and I, I feel badly for that poor person because there was nothing else I could say. Um, yeah. And I was, I was in so much pain. I, I you know, I wasn't going to be like, I, I probably snapped that. <laughs> yeah. I probably wasn't really grace filled in saying that, but I just was, you know, doing what I had to do. So yeah, but um, that kind of support, as I said, really helped us get through it. So not having that is very difficult. And I'm glad that I'm glad that people do talk about their loss in whatever form it is now, because as you say, you can't you can't pretend it doesn't impact your life. It does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what we reveal heals. I mean, it's just yeah, yeah. The power of our words, and you're like you know, I, I encourage people to journal and, and write about it. But if you're not comfortable doing that, just speaking it, getting a voice recorder, and mm. you know, and then listening to it, because that inflection of your voice just really helps bring that healing. Yeah. Um, the body does keep the score. You know, I'm reading that book. Right. And, um, right. I'm, a, I'm a certified aroma cognitive behavior practitioner, and I work with a lot of clients where we release the, the grief, the pain that we have physically from things that we don't talk about. It manifests itself as headaches and sleepless nights and things like that. So it's so important to grieve that loss and then to celebrate the, the, the lives 
that yeah. were yeah. going like, you know, I named my babies are named Michael and Tamara and mm. I had a beautiful vision of them. And like I said, I had dreams about them. My mom passed away in October of 18 and I actually saw them with her Aww. and it was really cute. Like, you know, I mean, full description, like, you know, Michael has got dark hair and wow. eyes and then Tamara's got blonde curly hair and, um, you know, like hazel eyes. And it was just like, wow, it's beautiful. Like, it was really, really cool. And just to be able to receive that yeah. and heal from it and be able to talk and share and now help other ladies go through that. Mm-hmm. So tell us how, what do you do? How do you help? You wrote this beautiful um, devotional book. Tell us about that. Okay. That, this is called Unshakable Peace in an Unsteady World. And it's actually 12 different devotionals on finding, we, finding peace Despite the circumstances, every story has an anchor verse, a story, uh, reflective questions, journal space, speaking of journaling, and coloring space, too. Um, not all stories have the coloring, but, and that really came out of, you know, I haven't written this story that I've shared with you, and I know that I need to. Um, I was on another podcast that's going to be aired this in, in, for Mother's Day month. Mm-hmm. also about the loss of, of my twins. And um, it's, I, I, I don't think there's any mistake that this is coming up. There's a reason it's coming up. And I, I do believe um, I am supposed to share my story. And, you know, your and my connection was like a momentary thing, but it just happened to work. And um, again, I, I, I am always available to anybody who needs to talk through this. Um, the, you know, I remember my mother saying to me um, in a very unhelpful way, <laughs> when are you going to get over this? And my answer to that, yeah, terrible question, terrible question. But she was so used to me being um, so up and so positive. And I have to say, losing the twins broke a dam for me where I'd kept so much feeling in for 30 years. It was a really ultimately healing dam, but at first it was pretty awful and felt pretty badly. I felt pretty badly and people around me were kind of like, change back. Um, but you know, the truth is when you have loss like that, it, you're changed for good. There's no, there's no going back. There's no getting over it. It becomes a part of you. Um, you know, for, for better and for worse. And, um, ultimately, yeah, at this point, it's, it's like a beautiful part of my life and, a very sad one, but also a beautiful one. And, and to, to tell you the truth, Lisa, I, I struggled a lot with God. I, I was so angry at God. I was like, who are you that you like set your people up to go through such loss? Like you are not the God I thought you were. And, um, and I would say too, I had more of a religion and less of a relationship, but that once I, argued enough and got mad enough, which I didn't even know I could do. Um, you know, I thought I'd, God would be mad at me or something, but he, he wasn't. Um, I realized, I, I really came into the fullness of a relationship with Jesus um, as a result of that. And that is, you know, that's something I, I am very, very grateful for. Because at the end of myself, where I had no more resources and no more answers, that that's kind of where <laughs> we have no choice. Yeah. And I know I totally get that because, you know, I had, I had the religion and even though, even though I accepted Jesus as my savior and it was in July of 79, I didn't fully understand that. And I just did what I wanted to do anyways. Yeah. And I was still practicing this religion aspect of it, even though I, you know, knew that there was more to it. I just didn't, it didn't click. 
Yes. And, you know, the, totally the idea of like, oh, you can do what you want. Just ask for forgiveness and you'll be all okay. <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't work that way. Right. Conviction there. But I, I realized when, um, when I was five years old, I stopped my foot down and told my mom, I'll never trust you or anyone ever again. Mm. And we were taught to fear God. Like God's going to strike you down. He's going to punish you. And, um, you know, I experienced, I was molested from the ages of three to seven at five. I told my mom and she called me a liar. Mm. I thought, well, how would I lie about, I don't even know what I meant. Right. Yeah. Yes. Really. But she said I was probably, I had older brothers and she said that I was probably saw like what they were watching or whatever. Cause we, or my parents were divorced. It's very dysfunctional, but I was really angry at my mom. And it was always like this, this threatening, we didn't get along very well. And I didn't talk to her for several years and we, we made amends before she passed away. Mm-hmm. But there was always this sense of, you are not on my side. I don't trust you. I don't care for you. And then I didn't trust myself. And I didn't realize that when I connected with a mentor. So in 2013, I started my healing journey with gratitude. And both camps book, A Thousand mm-hmm. Gifts, Dare to Live Life Differently. Oh, and yeah. I started seeing a shift. And I knew I wanted more of this peace that I was feeling. So I connected with a mentor and the mentor first thing said to me was, what, what does Lisa want? I'm like, no one's ever asked me that before. (laughs) I don't know. I'm too busy being a mom and being a wife and working and people pleasing and, you know, my career and doing all these great things. And then, um, you know, I said, well, peace, if I could have one thing, I'd want peace. And then he's like, well, do you trust God? And I was like, petrified because I knew I didn't. Yeah. And I was sitting there in the chair. I mean, I could still picture myself doing this. And I was like, he's like, you can be honest because God knows your heart. That's right. <laughs> no and hiding. I, and I was like, no, I don't trust God. And he gave me the book um, that Sheila Walsh wrote, When a Woman Trusts God. Mm. And I read it. And then I joined a Bible book study that um, a woman in our church was doing with it. And this is this is how cool God is. God is in the details. Yes. I mean, he's a woman's ministry leader. And the first retreat I did was on trusting God. Wow. Wow. And it was funny because before I became women's ministry leader, I was teaching the junior high kids Bible Mm -hmm. study. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was creating a Bible study based on the book of James and I'm typing away. I'm sitting on my computer and I'm typing away in word document. All of a sudden I get Proverbs three, five, six. And I'm like, what, what is Proverbs? Wow. Five to six. (laughs) So I look it up and I, I'm like, okay, what are, why am I getting this? I'm working on the book of James. I was working on wisdom or something. And it's like, keep it, keep, note it down, write it down and read it. Mm-hmm. You're going to use it for women's ministry. And I'm like, I'm like sitting in my computer. This. this is all going inside my head. And I'm like, wow. so I typed it up. I opened up another word document. I typed it up, copied it from the you know internet. Then looked at it. I said, trust in the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, and on your understanding and all of your ways that is past directing. I was like, you know, of course, that's not the full verse memory, but pretty close, pretty close. close. <laughs> and um, I have King James version and NIV yeah. in my mind. And I'm like, trust in the Lord. I'm like, okay. So that was in November of 13 In February of 14, I meet the mentor and I get the trust. Mm-hmm. A year later, it all comes to fruition. I was like, 
God, yeah. you are awesome. That's I, I love that. I, I call that neon signs from God when he just yeah. like me, me, me. <laughs> <laughs> he just won't let it go. He wants you to get a message and he will not let it go. But also yeah. I love the way he takes um you know your your brokenness, your grief, your sadness, and turns it into something where you start ministering to other people. That's just a wonderful, yeah. beautiful. I think, you know, I, I worked in women's ministry for years, a, a group called Moms. It used to be Moms in Touch. It's now Moms in Prayer. But in its early stages, and I was state coordinator for New Jersey, and, you know, the most unlikely thing is all I can tell you. Like, being a leader in any way, shape, or form, that just was not how I saw myself until they decided we see your passion and that's what's going to lead this, you know, ministry, not, not your biblical knowledge, not your, um, any kind of knowledge. It's really going to be about the passion that you have for prayer and yeah. our children and God. And so, you know, I'm trying to think of that scripture. He takes the, 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 the confounding things and does something with them. But we also know this. He takes ashes and turns them into beauty. And that's what you're sharing. And, and that's what I'm sharing too. Like he, again, I, and I had other things that were very difficult. Um, my husband was, is a, he suffered from a car accident. He was hit by a car, severe traumatic brain injury, couldn't walk, talk, didn't know who I was, et cetera. That was five years later. And, um, again, I, I kind of think of it as different phases of my walk with God because through the twins, I really did come to the Lord. And then my stepdaughter, who was a teenager, moved in right before I was having my second baby. Good news is I did go on to have babies, children. Um, she moved in. So I was like that, that I was so ill-equipped. I was like, okay, now I need to learn to rely on God. This is hindsight, not at the time. And then with my husband, it was like, okay, now I literally need to walk with God because this is so unchartered. Thankfully, I already know him. I've met him. <laughs> We're good <laughs> friends now, but I really need him to walk alongside, you know, and carry me at different times too. So yeah, I mean, God's good, right? Yes, he is. Yeah, all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's so powerful how he uses our stories and brings the right people together at the right time. So yeah. thank you so much for sharing. What's the best way for our audience to get in touch with you? It's really EliseDailyParker.com or at EliseDailyParker. That's Facebook and Instagram and all that. I do a lot on Instagram. I also have my Mom Vision podcast, which is everywhere podcasts are, <laughs> including EliseDailyParker.com. So yeah, and I mean, I'm again, I'm, if anybody needs to talk personally, I'm happy to have them reach out to me through those vehicles, you know, DM or whatever. And um, again, happy about my book. I'm sure I'll, I'll send you a copy, Lisa. Oh, I think you'll enjoy it. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll definitely put the link in the book because you know, I know you published that. So send me the link so I can put it in the description. And for anyone listening, you know, this is a healing journey. It's a grieving process. And you may be somebody who's been told, oh, just stuff it, don't bury it. I know a lot of my guests um, in this series were told, oh, you could just have another one. Oh, yeah. You know, and that is really I, I was told, oh, you're lucky you know you can get pregnant. And I was like, well, if I don't know whether or not I can keep a pregnancy, that's not going to do me a lot of good. Besides, yeah. it just, it's, it's, it's an ignorant thing yeah. to say. <laughs> And I'm feeling to say, you know, and that's part of the goal of this series is to help other people understand 
that you, you need to have empathy and understand that you just don't go have another one, you know, yeah. and yeah. it's just, it's just heartbreaking to me that people don't understand that you have to grieve every single thing. And there's many losses that we experience, yeah. not only the loss of children by choice, by miscarriage, by death or illness through, you know, accident or illness rather, mm-hmm. but there's losses that we experience relationship breakups, you know, you had talked about grieving the loss of moving from your home. You talk, pre-show, we talked about moving yeah. and like in that sense of loss that you have that like I've lived in my home for over 30 years, I'm ready to move. No, <laughs> you know, but now that you've planted that little seed about, well, you know, you raised your family there, you have this memory and that memory. That right. makes it a little bit different. I'm still. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I but think that's good. To, but preparing yourself for that. And I think being, I, understanding that that is a sense of loss that we have to deal with, not ignoring it is the whole, just because the way you do one thing is how you're going to do everything else. My coach always tells me that one, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. That's good. I like that. And, you know, I've had the same counselor for many years and she has said to me um, that we, it's like every day is filled with little griefs, you know, like we have small T trauma. We have small G grief. There's just little gains and losses all day long. And then in the bigger, bigger picture as well. And again, they're not fun and we wouldn't choose them, but man, are they loaded with gems and jewels for us to grow from? They just are. I, I wish it sometimes I wish it was a different way, but honestly, at this point in my life, at this age, I'm like, it just is what it is. That's, that's yep. how we grow. And, um, and so while I wouldn't choose it, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't trade it at this point either. Right. So, yeah. and never great. thought I'd be able to say that, but, yeah. I think, but it's but true. Here you are. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing. Thanks for having me. Experience. Yes. Um, and if you're listening to this um, and at least resonates with you, please reach out to her. Be sure to get her book, her devotion. And most importantly, if you know someone who would benefit from this story, please share the podcast. If you're listening over on YouTube, if you're listening to this in the future, Go back, listen to all the other stories and um, just really reach out and really connect and know that you are not alone. Mindset is the crux of all that we do. It's a matter of the heart. Thank you.